Welcome to the Gone Fishing Podcast, episode number 39. In today's episode, I'll be discussing There's No Such Thing as Average. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Gone Fishing Podcast. Join Ron Bouchard as he casts a wide net sharing his philosophy of life, business, and success and goes fishing for wisdom in interviews with other entrepreneurs, authors, and thought leaders. You'll hear their stories of triumph and tribulation. If you're an aspiring entrepreneur trying to succeed outside the confines of the current of social expectation, bring the bait and join us for Gone Fishing. Welcome to the Gone Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Bouchard. It was October 14th in the year 2000, the day that changed my life forever. I, like most people who were expecting the birth of their first child, was excited and anxious. I was excited about the opportunity to meet our son for the first time and anxious about the tremendous responsibility and life changes that were to follow. I had expectations. Expectations about how the day would go, derived from my limited experience, and the experiences of those in my circle of friends and family. My sister had children. My sister-in-law had children. I've seen births on TV. But life doesn't always go as expected. And this was no average day. Little did I know the path that I was about to travel on. We entered the hospital about 5 a.m. on October 13 for a scheduled induction. And my son was born 23 hours later at 4 o'clock in the morning on October 14th, in the year 2000. He entered the world blue and limp after an extended vacuum extraction. He ended up in the neonatal intensive care unit, a woman in infant's hospital, where he had been taken by ambulance. No, this certainly wasn't your average day. My son spent three weeks there, struggling to survive. My son is a hero. Since that day, he has been confined to a wheelchair with no ability to care for himself, no ability to walk, and no ability to talk. Now, despite the pain and years of suffering he endured, His attitude has always been one of joy and love. He is an inspiration not only to me, but those around him. The first five years were hell. Answers were hard to come by. And I soon entitled my son, the boy who cried for help, to the doctor's who weren't listening. 
You know, when I first entered the hospital, I believed that doctors had all the answers. That's how we're conditioned. That's how we're brought up. You got a problem, you go to the hospital. They'll fix you up. I also thought that they would have our best interest in mind. But I was wrong. What I learned instead, instead was that the system didn't work. My son screamed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He was labeled with a diagnosis of cerebral palsy. <laughs> cerebral palsy is the leading cause of childhood disabilities. It's a broad diagnosis. While one child with severe cerebral palsy might be unable to walk and need extensive lifelong care, another child with mild cerebral palsy might only be slightly awkward and require little to no assistance. So there's no such thing as the average child with cerebral palsy, and my son certainly wasn't average. As I said, he would scream 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Maybe get a couple of cat naps in half an hour increments, but not very much. When we finally made a breakthrough, it was because of my wife, who sought out a different opinion. And we did a blood test on a cellular level which determined that my son was deficient in everything except for arsenic. You see, we spray our chicken feed with arsenic. The chicken eat the arsenic. And we eat the chicken. Shortly after we put out a regimen of vitamins, and other supplements, my son decidedly changed. He stopped screaming, stopped soaking through his clothes, stopped being stiff as a board. And to the doctor, his pediatrician, who we went to every day or every week, who told us if it gets any worse, just call us back. All he had to offer us was, why did you go do that damn blood test? He completely lacked the curiosity. You, you would expect someone who has our best interest in mind would have, after seeing a miraculous change in his patient. On a visit to a gastrointestinal doctor, the doctor recommended that my son undergo a fund duplication procedure. That's where the upper curve of the stomach, called the fundus, gets wrapped around the esophagus and sewn into place so that the lower portion of the esophagus passes through a small tunnel of stomach muscle. Now this procedure is performed to stop acid from backing up into the esophagus so that it can heal. It also stops a lot of other things from backing up. A lot of natural functions. So gas can get trapped. He told my wife that all children like our son require a fundo. 
and that he would never eat by mouth. And if we chose not to do the fundo, he would die in his sleep. Great words of encouragement. Lucky my wife is not intimidated. We decided on getting a second opinion from a doctor in a different hospital who was the head of the GI department. Upon examination, he told us that there was no reason for such a procedure. And that was after extensive testing. We agree. During the first five years of my son's life, he suffered. On a trip to the neurologist, the doctor told us to accept this as the way it was going to be. Because all children like my son, you know the line. We stopped listening to doctors who treated him as average. We began to take charge of his medical care and only sought out guidance from physicians who treated our son as an individual. We became the physician. And we only consulted with doctors when we needed to know something. But we made the final decision. There is no such thing as an average child like my son. There is no such thing as an average child. In his book, The End of Averages, Todd Rose, director of Mind, Brain, and Education program at Harvard Graduate School of Education, writes about an incident in the 1940s which affected the Air Force. Apparently, aircraft accidents were so plentiful during that time that pilots never knew if they were going to end up in the dirt. Scary times. As you would expect, they blamed the men in the cockpit first, citing pilot error. When that theory was proven incorrect, they began to examine the mechanics and the electrical systems. Engineers confirmed that that was not the issue. So the attention then turned to the design itself. There must be something wrong with the design. What they discovered was that in the 1920s, engineers collected data on the physical dimensions of hundreds of male pilots which they used to standardize the measurements of the cockpit. In other words, they treated the cockpit for the average pilot. Over the next few decades, the size and the shape of the seat, distance of the pedals and stick, and the height of the windshield conformed to that data set. Despite there now being women in the Air Force, And in the 1950s, researchers measured more than 4,000 pilots on 140 dimensions. They included the size, thumb length, crotch height, distance from the eye to the ear, and they calculated the average. Using this new data set, a new scientist named Gilbert Daniels questioned the military's methodology 
and began to conduct a study of his own, based on 10 physical dimensions that he believed to be most relevant. What he discovered was that no pilot fit within the average range on all 10 dimensions. And his findings were very clear. There was no such thing as an average pilot. In the book, he also tells the story of Norma. Norma was the creation of a well-known gynecologist, Dr. Robert Dickinson. Norma is a statue on display in the Cleveland Health Museum. Norma represented thousands of data points he had averaged that made up the ideal girl, whatever that is. It started a craze. It became the model for how young women should look. Kind of reminds me of Barbie. It was even featured in Time magazine, in newspaper cartoons, and a documentary series called This American Look. They launched a contest for women to submit body dimensions that most closely matched that enormous. The winner would receive war stamps. On October 23, 1945, they found a winner, Martha Skidmore. The judges assumed that most entrance measurements would be pretty close to average. But as you might have guessed, they would have been wrong. Because they soon realized that none of the women, including the winner, came down in all nine dimensions. Because there is no such thing as the average woman. From the beginning of recorded time, mankind has been trying to figure out what makes us tick. Philosophers and scientists of every age have been trying to stratify and come up with a system to understand human behavior. For centuries, there was a war between nature and nurture. Nature and nurture. Nature and nurture. The problem is we're not a product of just nature, and we're not a product of just nurture. We're more complicated than that. We are a blend of nature and nurture. And there is no such thing as the average personality. While personality styles can help you figure out what likely behaviors you're going to exhibit, they are by no means to treat you as average. Because even within each data set, there are variations of behavioral styles. How much wind do you have within a wind data set compared to the next wind? And what is your blend? How much water do you have with that wind? Somebody else could have a wind-fire blend. There is no such thing as the average personality style. Society is constantly trying to stratify people into groups. Republican, Democrat, black, white, male, female, gay, straight. They then treat each group as an echo chamber of thoughts, actions, and ideas 
thus sucking the individuality right out of them. In this world, we're so hell-bent on trying to make a diverse culture. But what is diversity without diversity of thought? We should not be using the metrics of superficial items to be judging people. The only true measure of diversity is diversity of thought. We can learn something from each other if only we would listen. Because we are not an echo chamber. We are individuals. What if we continue to follow the current of social expectation? Follow the socially accepted norms and ideas? What if, as a consequence, we lose ourselves and our individuality? What if Thomas Edison listened to the groupthink and allowed it to suck the creativity right out of him? What if he allowed them to suck the curiosity right out of him? How many times do you think he would have failed before giving up then? Would he have invented the incandescent light bulb? What if you have the perfect combination of factors as an individual that allows you to see things in a way where you can find the cure for cancer or another disease plaguing our society? The fundamental flaw of the current social expectation is that it treats everyone as average. Thus, everything is designed for the average person when that person doesn't exist. We should learn how to embrace our individuality. And we should use it to succeed in a world that wants everyone to be the same. In life, we have three different places we can live. Number one, the Sagazo Sea, home to the dead not yet buried, who have resigned from living. Number two, the current social expectation which drags its inhabitants through life as they pursue the treasures it promises the elusive average person whom doesn't exist. Number three, Set sail for the open ocean, where you can live free of the confines of the current social expectation and be the captain of your ship and the architect of your future. Always remember, life is an ocean, strong boat your foundation. If you want to succeed, identify a harbor, identify your sails. Sell outside the confines of the drift currents of social expectation. And let's go fishing. Thank you for listening and join me next week for a new segment, Conversations Over Coffee, which is going to air the last Tuesday of every month. In this month's conversation, you'll meet the mayor of motivation, Eli Marcus, who has worked with everyone from Michael Jackson to Mark Victor Hansen. Be sure to tune in. If you love today's podcast, you're going to love our Tackle Box tools and resources. Our guests have shared some of the greatest tools, information, and advice, and all of it is available free, as well as an ever-increasing array 
of mindset, coaching, real estate, financial, health, wellness, relationship, and other tools and resources to help you improve your life, increase your income, and live life on purpose. Join today by visiting our website at www.waypointmastermind.com and click the Join Now button. Enter code 2021 and start your journey through New You today. You've reached the end of another episode of the Gone Fishing Podcast. Connect with us at www.waypointmastermind.com where you can sign up for our newsletter to receive our free tools and resources. This podcast has been brought to you by Waypoint Mastermind. Personal growth and support through collaboration with a community of like-minded achievers. See you in the next episode.